Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Amen. Today we're going to be we're still talking about being witnesses. We're going to talk about witnesses of the incarnation. We talked about 2 weeks ago that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And your life prophesies, your life declares to people when you live the gospel. Do you know what? You're the only Bible that some people are ever going to read, that they're ever going to see. So you need to keep living for Jesus and letting Jesus live his life big in you. Amen? Then last week we talked about your voice carries the testimony of Jesus. There's some people, they don't know you. They don't know where you live. They don't know where you work. They don't know what kind of car you drive. They don't know anything about you. But you can speak one word, and one word from God can change their life. Amen? We need to keep telling people about Jesus. We need to keep sharing the Scripture. Praise God. Today, we're going to talk about all these witnesses, all these people that carried the testimony of the incarnation. You know, what's, what's the incarnation? It's God becoming Flesh. John 1.14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? Jesus, the Word of God, the eternal Word, became flesh. So we're going to talk about all these witnesses of the incarnation. The first one is the Scriptures revealed that Jesus is coming. The scriptures testify of his coming. They have revealed it. You know, Jesus said this in John 5, verse 39. He said, search the scriptures for that in them you think that you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The scripture testifies of Christ. We can begin in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The very first promise of the Messiah, the seed of the woman shall bruise or shall crush the serpent's head, and the serpent will bruise his heel. This is immediately after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God came, and he put the plan of redemption into action. Did you know that God had a plan of redemption? Before man ever sinned, God had a plan. Revelation 13, verse 8 says that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So God had a plan, and this was about 4,000 years before Christ, right? Before we're, what we're celebrating today, the fact that Jesus was born, that Jesus came, that the Word became flesh. And God said, the seed of a woman shall crush the serpent's head. Immediately after man's sin, God set the plan of redemption into action. Later in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God spoke to Abraham. Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Christ, about 2,000 years after Adam. And God spoke to Abraham, and God said, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, when we read the book of Galatians, Paul gives us light and said when he made that promise in Galatians chapter 3, I think it's about verse 16. He said, he was not speaking to thy seeds as of many, but to thy seed, singular, which is Christ. And everyone who puts their faith in Jesus enters this covenant that God made, amen, with Abraham. We all come into the Abrahamic covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. So God makes this promise of redemption. The seed of the woman 
2,000 years later, the seed of Abraham. He says in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham's having a conversation with God. And he said, what are you going to give me since I go childless? And God takes him outside and he shows him the stars of heaven and said, your seed is going to be like the stars of the heaven, innumerable. And Abraham believed the Lord, it says in Genesis 15, 6, and it was imputed, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he said the seed of the woman, 2,000 years later, he said this, the seed of Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, Abraham is 99 years old. Sarah is 90. They've never had a child. Doesn't look like they will have a child. Abraham is still meeting with God. God says, I am the almighty God. I'm the many-breasted God. I'm the all-sufficient God. I'm the God who's more than enough. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will multiply you exceedingly. See, when you get to understand who God is and then you come into a relationship with God, you begin to see who he is in your life. He says, I will multiply you exceedingly. Your name will no longer be Abram, fatherly, but your name will be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made you. The seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham. Then he says in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham takes Isaac up to offer him on an altar on Mount Moriah, in obedience to the Lord, he, he went three days' journey to a mountain the Lord showed him. Isaac, somewhere between 14 and 22 years old. Isaac represents everything that God has promised him. And he's willing to lay it down right there. He gets the knife. He binds him to the altar. He's ready to, you know, he believes that God's able to raise him from the dead. And as he's just about to do that, the angel of the Lord, I believe that's a pre-incarnate form of Christ, grabs him by the hand. And he says, listen, Abraham, don't do this thing, for I have, God has provided. God has provided a sacrifice for himself. I believe he's looking towards the east at Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. I believe he looked over to the north about a quarter mile from Mount Moriah's Mount Calvary. I believe he saw a ram on the hill of the skull, caught in a thicket by his horns. I'm going to ask God to play this back to me when I go to heaven. I believe this is what he saw. He goes and gets that ram off of Calvary. He brings him and he lays him on the altar. And as he, as, he, as he puts that off, he says, the Lord has provided in the mount of the Lord. He calls the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The first redemptive name of God. The Lord is my provider. Amen. And that's, that's a type of Christ. Every provision is in Christ on the cross. That's the Lamb of God. And, you know, forgiveness for our sin, peace for our mind, healing for our body, provision for our lack. It's all in Christ. He is the Lord, our provider. God said, listen, blessing, I'm going to bless you. And multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. And your seed are going to possess the gates of their enemies. They're going to rule. Listen, we rule and we reign. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed and we are not cursed. That's our promise in Christ. The seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham. Then we look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll read verse 12, probably through verse 16. It's a promise to David about his seed. 
This is about 1,000 years before Christ. 4,000 B.C., the seed of the woman. 2,000 B.C., the seed of Abraham. 1,000 B.C., the seed of David, your seed. When your days are fulfilled, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, and you shall sleep with your fathers. I will set up a seed after you who will proceed out of your bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. We were just singing about it. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. I will be his father. He will be my son if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of men. They weren't even punishing people that way at that time. This is a thousand years before the Roman Empire. This is a thousand years before they were beating people with a Roman cat of nine tails. And God speaks this word through his prophets. My mercy will not depart away from him, he says in verse 15, as I took it from Saul, who I put away before you. In your house, in your kingdom shall be established forever before you, and your throne shall be established forever. In Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, Jesus is called the seed David. He that has the key of David Jesus shall reign forever. Amen. The scriptures reveal who he is. The prophets foretold who he is. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Isaiah prophesied some six to 700 years before Christ. He said, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. He spoke a few years later to Micah, the prophet. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, You Bethlehem of Judah, even though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet he's going to come forth out of you, Bethlehem, the house of bread, who will reign over the house of Israel forever. Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Malachi, the last of the minor prophets. They're minor because they didn't prophesize much. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. You know, my grandfather was a good Baptist man, and he loved Jesus. But when he was about 50 years old, he went to a healing meeting. There was a woman named Evelyn Wyatt. She called her ministry Healing Wings Ministry. And he said, I had bursitis in my shoulder. He said, it was so bad. It was so painful. And he said, when she laid his, her hands on my shoulder, he said, heat came into it, and that pain left me, and it never returned. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Son of Righteousness, Jesus, will arise with healing in his wings. The prophets foretold of his coming. Mary and Joseph believed, and received the word of God and became part of what God did in this, the incarnation. Luke tells us, let's go to Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 30. 
The angel Gabriel came to Mary, said, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said, how is this going to happen, seeing that I've not come into a relationship with a man? How can this be? You know, this is just how life works. you got to have a seed to have a harvest. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you, and that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. The Trinity was involved in the incarnation. The Holy Ghost will come on you. The power of God will overshadow you, and the holy thing that will be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the seed of God. And then he says, here's an example. Behold your cousin Elizabeth. She has conceived in her, a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Elizabeth couldn't have a child, but God gave her a word, and she believed it. And when Zacharias came back from the temple, guess what? She conceived. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen, amen. Now look at verse 38. Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. In other words, God just doesn't go and force you to receive his word. If you're going to receive the promises of the word of God, you must believe them. She says, Be it unto me according to your word. She received that word. She believed it. But not only did Mary believe it, Joseph believed. We go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was in this way when, as his mother Mary was espoused, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, they had no physical relationship. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, was a good man, and he didn't want to make a public example out of her. He didn't want to embarrass her. He was minded to do it privately, break off the engagement. But while he was thinking on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Barbara said it took him a little longer to get it. Sometimes it takes us men a little longer. You son of David, fear not to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, of the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin will be with child and will bring forth a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he did not come into a physical relationship with her till she brought forth their firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Mary believed it. Joseph believed it. How can we tell Joseph? Because he did what the Lord said. Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. Joseph did what the Lord said. Faith cannot be sorted out, you know, 
separated from action. Faith without corresponding action is dead, being alone. You tell me you have your works. Faith without works, but I'll show you my faith with my works, James said. The angels announced his coming in Luke chapter 2. We can turn there. We'll begin reading in verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. The gospel is the good news of great joy. It's for everybody. For unto you is born in this, this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. What a message. Glory to God in the highest, on the earth, peace. You know what? We need to keep preaching the gospel of peace. We need to keep preaching the gospel that God's good will is available to men through the person of Jesus. Hallelujah. So many people have got away from preaching the gospel. They've got away from preaching the good news. They've got away from preaching peace with God. We're at peace with God because of Jesus. Amen. Came to pass as the angels were gone away from them, the shepherds said one to another, let us go now even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. The shepherds rejoiced at this announcement. Jesus has come. The Messiah is born. The Savior is born. They rejoice. What's our response? Are we rejoicing at the good news? Are we rejoicing at the gospel? Are we, are we, you know what? We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to rejoice about. We have so much, so much so many people are just enthralled with the bad news. I want to tell you, I can't hardly stand to watch the news on television. Not even the conservative news. Not even the conservative of the conservative conservative news. Because they're always talking about bad news. And I've got good news. Jesus is come. Jesus is the Savior of the world. God's goodwill is available right now and right here to people who believe it. Some people preaching, I don't know what they're preaching, all kind of stuff. But it's not the gospel. It's not the good news. Hallelujah, I've got good news. Jesus is still alive. He's still on the throne. The Word of God still works. I know there's a lot of crazy going down, but Jesus is still Lord, and the Word of God is still true, and God is still on the throne. Yes. Hallelujah. And so the shepherds rejoiced at His coming. Hallelujah. Heaven declared He's coming. Let's go back to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Then when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. You know Herod, he was a wicked king. You study these Herods, they were just about as wicked as you get. 
I mean, there was one in the book of Acts. He was given an oration, and the people said, it's, it's the voice of a God and not a man. And he didn't give the glory to God, and he was smote with worms. I don't know how that fits in with grace, but it's in the New Testament. I mean, they were wicked. They were evil, corrupt. There are some people you, right now, they're in government that are wicked and corrupt. But listen, they don't have anything on Herod, I'll guarantee you. This Herod was a wicked guy. He said, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? These wise men came. The wise men came to worship him. They said, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Hallelujah. They saw his star. The heavens declared that he was coming. When Herod heard these things, he was troubled. And he said, hey, when did this star appear? And then when they went, Herod went to the prophets. Where, where, where does the scripture say that Christ will be? He'll be born in Bethlehem. So he told them, he said, now, when you find him, you come and tell me because I want to worship him too. It's like some of these people around here today. They, they have ulterior motives. He inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, and they went. Now, when they went, they departed. In verse 9, it says, And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the, where the young child, the heavens declare that Jesus came. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The heavens declare he's coming. The wise men came to worship him. They came from the east. More than likely, they came from Ur of the Chaldees, Babylon, what we know as Baghdad and Iraq. How many of you know that years before, there were some Hebrew witnesses that were there? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> they were witnesses. They prophesied of the coming king. Right? They were looking for the coming king. Now, maybe he didn't. That's about 500 miles east. Right? And these wives, they didn't have a jet to get there. They came and they brought him gifts. Now, think if I was a king and I was coming to bring a gift to the king of kings, you think I'm going to bring $20? Five hundred miles, five hundred miles at twenty miles a day, twenty-five days, thirty days at the least, right? Some people they think they could have came from far, much farther than that, but they brought him gifts, right? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Hallelujah. Derek Wilburn's here. He's the head of Rocky Mountain Black Conservatives. He just wrote a great post this week on Jesus was not a poor boy. So you take that I am a poor boy too song and you throw it in the trash. Or you just change it to I am a rich boy too. Because from when those kings showed up to worship him, amen, they brought him gifts, gold to honor him as a king, frankincense to honor him as a priest. Frankincense is expensive. It's incense that they, incense they use in worship. And myrrh to honor him as a man who would die. Jesus is king. 
He's a priest. He's a man. He's all. And they came to worship. I don't think they brought him $20. In fact, Peter Daniels, who's spoken in this church a couple of times from Australia, he has his own currency. He's a billionaire a few times over. Peter Daniels wrote a book about it. He believes that the gifts that they brought Jesus were somewhere in the neighborhood of $4 million in today's currency. Shortly after they arrived, Mary and Joseph went to Egypt, right? But they, I don't think God was going to be in debt to Mary and Joseph for taking care of Jesus. Some people think Jesus didn't have anything. Did you ever travel with 12 guys? Listen, I just traveled with Barbara last week. We took a little journey. My son and my daughter-in-law, they know how I am, so they gave me a gift. And said, now listen, take mama out to a nice place to eat and treat her good. We know how you are, Daddy. And so I practiced some of what Aaron said, do something a little bit extravagant. And I did a little bit of that on my trip. Amen? Because you got to break off that poverty, poor boy, religious, stinking thinking. Hallelujah. Amen. So praise God. It worked. We had a good time. Amen? And we're back. Hallelujah. We're ready for another month. Jesus is so good. Jesus was not a poor, he traveled with 12 guys. He had a treasure that was stealing out of the bag. Guess what? If I got five bucks in the bag and you take two, I know you're stealing. Right? Jesus had a lot of money in his ministry. He had a lot of money coming and going. He fed that 5,000 men plus women and children. They said, where are we going to buy this much bread? 200 days labor, bread, feed 5,000 people. What's labor that, you know, $200 a day minimum? Where are we going to buy $40,000 of food out here, Jesus, to feed all these folks? Jesus said, quit talking about what you don't have and start talking about what you do. Bring me what you have. Hallelujah. Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. They had quite a bit left over. Guess who got it? That little boy came home. Twelve disciples with him, each of them carrying a big basket. Where do we put it? His mom said, go follow Jesus some more. Listen to him teach a little bit more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you get around Jesus, praise God, it'll start flowing over to you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus wasn't a poor boy. I'm sorry, but you just got your religion all mixed up. You, you need to start reading the Bible and seeing what it really says. And I know some people don't like it, but I'm tough. That's tough. I'm just going to keep preaching it. It's working in my life. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's still working. I'm still believing. Amen. And it keeps working. And it's going to keep working more and more and more and more and more. I was just thinking about in between services. How's it going to be when we're giving $5 million away a year? You know, that's $100,000 a week. It's going to take somebody to help administrate. Giving away $5 million a year away. $100,000. You do some serious damage to the devil's kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo, I love giving. And I know the giver. Hallelujah. Isn't that so good? So these kings came to worship him, and they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh. They came. They opened unto him their treasures. They're kings. They have treasures. <laughs> 
just need to get rid of some of that old religion out of your life. And they came to worship him. They came to worship him. They rejoiced. They come, they fell down in verse 11, Matthew 2, verse 11, and they worshiped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented unto him their gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Herod feared his coming when he heard a king's born. See, he was the acting king, but he wasn't the one who was born king. Jesus was the one who was born king. You know, there's people sometimes, they're imposters, and they're trying to act like something they aren't. But when the truth shows up, guess what? You know what they do to, to show people the difference in real money when they train them in fake money? They don't show them all the fake money. They show them the real. Because when you know what the real is, the fake will show up. <laughs> Herod was acting king. Jesus was the real king. Amen? Herod says, I want you to go find him and tell, you know, tell me, when, when was he born? When was he born? Tell me exactly. When, when did you see this star? He asked him. He was troubled. All Jerusalem was troubled with him. He says, hey, come back and tell me. Search diligently for the young child. Do you know, Jesus might have been nearly two years old when this happened. Bring me word again that I may come and worship him. But they were warned in a dream and departed another way. After they departed, verse 13, when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and, and stay there till I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under the time which he diligently inquired of the wise men. All of these witnesses of the incarnation, the scriptures reveal he's coming. The prophets foretold of his coming. Mary and Joseph believed and received his coming. The angels announced his coming. The shepherds rejoiced at his coming. The heavens declared at his coming. The wise men worshiped at his coming. Herod feared at his coming. But what are we doing? Are we testifying of his coming? Is our life a testimony? Are our words a testimony? I love this scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It said, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. My question to you today is what do you believe? Who do you believe? I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived on this earth sinless and perfect and pure. I believe that he worked miracles, healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, fed the hungry. 
Jesus was Lord in every situation. Lord over death, Lord over demons, Lord over disease, Lord over lack, Lord over storms. Jesus was Lord in every realm when he walked on the earth. I believe that Jesus died on the cross in a physical body for my sins, for your sins, for the world's sins. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day in a physical body. I believe that Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Jesus is Lord of eternity. What do you believe? Whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. Hallelujah. Aaron's going to come. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.